0: allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive.
1: You said what you're feeling is juicy joy, juicy joy. Juicy joy, juicy joy. Juicy
2: joy, juicy joy. Juicy joy, juicy joy. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Hi, you darling Do Joy listeners. Welcome back. I am honored to get to do some joy with y'all today. We are going to have a remarkable time together, this next little stretch of time. I have goosebumps already. I'm just going to read a bit of bio here for you on today's guest for over 30 years, David Alt has been a prophetic voice in the human potential movement as an unwavering crusader for mindfulness, global literacy, and social justice. Whether through teaching, evolutionary coaching, or keynote presentations, David's singular intention has always been in bridging our collective forgetfulness into our great collective reawakening. He's an award-winning author, leadership coach, and global education advocate, one of my favorite friends. I had the honor of working on a project with David a few years back, and everything this man teaches is just so pure, just heartfelt, and I am giddy that we get to reconnect today, David. So good to see you, my beautiful love.
3: Oh my goodness, what a nice, nice uh, reunion. It's been too long.
2: It has been too long. I mm. know David and I were just chatting a little bit before we started rolling and I said, stop depriving my listeners of this gold. Wait, no, <laughs> let me just push the record, record button. <laughs> well, so,
3: thank you for having me back.
2: Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. And there are so many, you know, synchronistic bits of the things <laughs> that you teach and the things that my joy listeners have come to expect. And one of my favorite ones is is how you are just so much about that understanding that whatever it is you think you want to be or become you already are that we are absolute joy and peace and love at our core and we all have obstructions that have gotten in the way of us experiencing ourselves as that so maybe that's a good place to start for you to bring some of your beautiful wisdom around that concept for us
3: to to me that's the isness. And um, I love the, uh, I'll call it a challenge. I love the challenge of trying to make something so uh, macrocosmic, more granular for people to be able to absorb and hopefully to apply. And so something where you say, you are the one that you've been waiting for, or love just is. Don't go s- seek love. Uh, look for all the barriers that are preventing it from being a personal reality for you don't don't try to go and and cultivate peace allow peace or divine order in and that's a big big thing um, for your listeners i I was a, a minister an ordained minister with centers for spiritual living for well over 25 years and one of the of those new thought spiritual principles is that god is all that there is that's one of the fundamentals right and so we we teach it we pray it um we apply it and talk about it in in weekly lessons and somewhere in around 2016 i i noticed that I still had not embodied that at the level that I wanted to, because there was too much disturbance within the human world that would make me vacillate greatly. And I thought, if I really knew this principle, the isness, you know, the, the joy is, God is, peace is, love is. If I really knew that, would I be vacillating so much? And so my, intention my my personal private prayer was i am willing to let any th- and all things shed from me that are preventing me from the full realization of that principle
2: yeah we call it the kerclunk in joy school yeah. and it's a spiral right we're never like a thousand percent there maybe there's like 10 completely evolved people on the planet but we just keep spiraling with that kerclunk, right
3: and, and, uh, I would say to anybody, you know, look out <laughs> if that's your intention, then there is a meticulousness. I love that word. There's a meticulousness to that interplay with that kind of commitment and energy that will take you there if you really are willing.
2: So you're saying yeah. once you made that declaration,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you, you let the world know, you know, the universe know things started shifting.
3: Yeah, because I I would have a taste of this idea that everything is in divine order. But obviously, like most of us, I could get behind to that 100% when things were good. I wanted to know what that was in the face of systemic racism and issues and problems. And, um, you know, I have a nonprofit foundation and we educate kids in slums and rural villages across the world. And so there's just so much within this human form that does not seem to align with the idea that everything is in divine order. And so I thought if I'm, if I'm going to maximize this incarnation as David, then what am I missing? Yeah. What am I missing? And, uh, so I have, I have been on a ride since you and I have last connected. And it's all been centered around that intention show, show me show me, what I have become in terms of my forgetfulness. Um, let me see it. And um, one of my favorite teachers is Ram Das.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And Ram Das used to uh, have quite a bit of focus on. Uh, what he called becoming nobody and really what that was about was letting all of these identities just fall away whether it's the identity of profession or the identity of story or the identity of credentials or whatever it is would, would you be willing to let that dissolve in order to see what is beyond that and that's been a little bit of part of this journey as I've had to let a lot of identity go.
2: Oh, that's hard for everybody, right? We are so attached to all those labels we put on ourselves. Yeah, I know when when you and I were talking a lot, a lot of that discussion revolved around non-duality. And that's one of those concepts you might remember that I am so enamored with, yet I never feel I have it quite clunked solidly enough to do much with it in my teachings. I'm always evolving in Mm -hmm. my understanding of what non-duality actually looks like in day-to-day life. Is that what you're talking about? But by
3: it, I am. Yeah. So during the pandemic, um, you know, how we talk about, um, we say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I woke up one day with all I can say, a download of a new definition of insanity. And that is trying to apply a singular dimensional answer to a multi-dimensional experience. Trying to, trying to force, squeeze, fix, manipulate this singular dimensional experience. The, your experience is Lisa, my experience is David, all of the identities that quantify that, trying to fix those things at that singular dimensional level, when what we are and what we say in all these different spiritual philosophies and realms is that we're not a body, we're a soul. And so you're kind of like taking all the fragments of all these quotes and little tidbits and, you know, bumper sticker wisdom, Uh (laughs) and you're putting them in a soup and you're going, well, what does it mean? What does that mean that I'm a soul? And that was a part of the real deeper dive in this last couple of years was that I had to i i made myself available to who what am i as a soul not as david but what is what is my soul's purpose that's the multi-dimensional part because if i can bring that to the singular dimensional issue then the solution that is a part of the isness the joy that is a part of the isness is going to be much more readily available than if i'm trying to force it from the identity of david does that make sense
2: Absolutely. It makes sense in in a way that I feel like I've had glimpses of being that multidimensional. It's so funny. I posted on Facebook recently this the picture of a, a boardroom or like a office conference room with these drab people sitting there. And then there's Big Bird from Sesame Street. And it says, um, trying to blend into society after you awaken to your multidimensional self." <laughs> And right. It just like it made me spit my coffee when I saw it, so I had to repost oh, it. It's like,
1: when, that's funny. When you're funny.
2: <laughs> when you're yeah. in that when you're in that little slice of a moment where you get it and you're feeling it, it is so weird to be here, isn't it?
3: <laughs> it is. It's um, there's this you know many wise sages within the Native American traditions. There was one, his name was Chief Seattle, and he said, um, "There is no death. There's only a change in worlds." And so we're in one of those, just, you know, one one of a multi-million world experience that's all happening simultaneously. And you and I are having this interchange in this one little tiny sliver of this world. And when we think about what robs us of our joy or what robs us and promotes the stress is the idea that we're living in prevention energy all the time and by prevention energy i mean that we're trying to keep something at bay the the worst case scenario we're groomed for that it's a part of the human curriculum we're told you have to save for this we're told you have to do life this way we're told that um, you know wisdom lies in this particular kind of protocol and so we become very indoctrinated in prevention energy which it's not right or wrong good or, good or bad right or wrong it's it's just the way that that's a part of the curriculum right of, of being human but the multi-dimensional part of us is that now it, it is that business and so it's how do we blend that How do we create this hybrid? As we often probably uh, hear and have said ourselves, to be in the world but not of it. So what I see is people go to the extreme. Sometimes they're so not of the world, they're so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good, as my Pentecostal upbringing (laughs) used to (laughs) say. Uh, They're just not grounded in reality. And then there are those people who are only in this earth plane that can't grasp or or see their way out of a hole and so what's the hybrid of that and that is the adventure that's where you and i kind of cut through the veil of a lot of illusion and we can we can stand in the midst of the chaos and still know a truth that isn't apparent through the uh the the physical eye
2: that's the balancing that's
3: act, right? That's
2: what's cool. Yeah. Oof, that's a tricky balancing act. I love that. I wonder what you feel about since we were talking about, you know, multiple dimension kind of things. I've I've noticed there's like this fascination in pop culture my kids were into the you know dr strange just released a new movie and i don't know if you you've been they they took me for mother's day this was a a bizarre movie going experience but we just saw um everything everywhere all at once which is a, a you know so it's like they're like mom you're gonna love this it's so much of the stuff you talk about and then you go and it is and then they get to a point where it's just like oh wait a minute what like how did it just all fall apart there like I feel like there's there's a reaching like that I recognition in mm-hmm. in the the general population but then it gets you know fictionalized in the way that we expect it to. What are your thoughts? Have you seen any of that? I
3: I will <laughs> say that that was my first movie actually back in a physical theater <laughs> since then and and I loved it. I did I did love it. What's fascinating to me and this might blow your mind is that that movie for those of you who have seen it It's, it's showing the, um, I, it's like, I call it pick your adventure. Yeah. (laughs) So, so we come in, right. And it's, it's one of those things where, okay, if I made that choice, my life would go that way. If I made that choice, my life would go this way. And I like to entertain the idea that all of those choices are happening. And to me, in that movie, it was showing the overlay of how all of the cast of characters in our soul tribe are playing all these different parts, right? And ultimately, what, what happens is that the more we pay attention, the, um, the more that we can stop taking things so personally or so finitely or locking people into a particular identity, So um, to clarify, there was an old quote in a Neil Donald Walsh book, and he said, don't you know, I've sent you nothing but angels. I don't know why that's stuck in my head all these years. I think it was from his very first book. But I've sat with that. That's kind of floated around in my mind for all of these years. And it's nothing is as it seems. These these people who are the biggest perpetrators of our grief on one of the pick-your-adventures, on another one, are perhaps our biggest cheerleader. Why? What purpose does that solve other than the fact that it is it is stripping us of the the illusional idea that we are separate from the one. And so we kind of sign up, you know, it's, uh, again, Ram Das. he would say, look, this being human is a curriculum, so you might as well take it. You might as well take the curriculum and see if we can all advance beyond the fourth grade. And I think that if we don't understand that there's more than just this singular dimensional experience, then we kind of lock ourselves into fourth grade and then we just keep repeating the cycle over and over again. Mastery is being willing to see beyond appearances. It's not burying, burying it. It's not bypassing it. It's actually... It's actually strengthening whatever advocacy is pulling us into the world. And so it's like uh, in A Course in Miracles, my favorite quote is, uh, love brings up everything unlike itself. And I used to think, what does that mean? And I would sit with that and sit with that. And then then I realized if I'm going to have the nerve to stand up and say, I am an advocate for love then everything unlike love is going to bubble up to the surface kind of like mist on a pond and it's going to go, okay. <laughs> and it's not its not to test or torture me. It's to help me make good on my advocacy. It's to help me see beyond the surface labeling to, to know that things are not as they seem, that whoever is this perpetrator or the thing that seems to be be the barrier of that love is there not to destroy me but to help me they're a gatekeeper and actually you know assisting me handholding me into the next deeper absorption of what it means to be an advocate for love otherwise we're just all words and no action
2: yeah In Joy School, we call it becoming the observer in Eckhart Tolle terminology. And the more skilled you become at becoming the observer, the more at choice you can be on which Mm -hmm. which adventure (laughs) which of the pick your adventures you can sort of align yourself with and and ride that wave instead of just being reactive to the loudest one out there because that's what happens when we're not really good at being the observer and choosing our our path choosing where we want to align ourselves as we get pulled by the loudest thing and fear is loud and all over Mm -hmm. the place
3: It's like Michael Singer talking about being the witness, just being the witness to the thoughts and to the reactions and all of those things. And so if, if we can, um, be willing to play in that and to just say, kind of use me, you know, use me in whatever way. And I know that when I first began to talk to you, I was having all of these, um, experiences because i got invited to go to costa rica to do plant medicine Uh and um you know being the being the spiritual leader of a spiritual community and all of these different things i was like i can't do that and then i start to see that all these political figures and these entertainment people and all of these other they're all doing that and i anyway long story short i end up going to Costa Rica to do plant medicine and things began to shift. And I began to see some things, but you and I haven't talked because, um, after four years of being invited back to be a guest teacher, and then, which allowed me the ability to be, uh, in the, in the beautiful presence and the wisdom of these shamans and to do this work. Um, everything, everything just, Nothing is as it seems, you know, um, people talk about trauma, trauma, is such a big topic and it's a valid topic and it's a shared experience by all, but I was really fascinated by the fact that the body, the physical instrument that we've been given has this wisdom to be able to block it out, to disassociate when things are really extreme. And so I what developed in these, uh, experiences in these shamanic journeys was the fact that I realized the, the severity of the abuse of my, uh, father and not just on me, but on my siblings. And that was a whole process of going through that. And, and first feeling shame, like, how could I have gone all of these decades and done all of these things in my life and not known this? doing the reconciliation work and then continuing to go back and taking it to the next level. The next level is the idea of, uh, of realizing the gift in all of that. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to deny anyone else's uh, trauma and their process. But my father died when I was seven And he died in a VA hospital. Uh, The story I was told was that he had tried to get up out of his hospital bed and to take a shower in the little hospital room, the little shower, and collapsed in the shower and had a heart attack. And that's where they found him. And so in this journey, I was taken and hovered above his shower it was as if I was watching a movie Mm. and I saw him get up and I saw him get into that shower. I saw him collapse. I could see the water continuing to run out of the shower head. I saw an attendant nurse walk in and discover him. And then I'll just call it, it's this, you and I are talking just fresh off of mother's day. So mother, Aya, uh, the, you know, that beautiful, powerful medicine, I was urged to say, say to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if if your listeners are familiar with that. That's a very well-used statement. It comes from a parable in the book of Matthew. So if you've ever been to a funeral or a celebration of life, oftentimes when they are reflecting upon a person's life, and they've lived this exemplary, gift-giving, you know, uh, elevating humanity existence. They will often say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I've said it at many memorials that I have facilitated. And I'm being prompted to say this to the man who was the catalyst for a brother's suicide, for my sisters getting out of there as quickly as possible. I mean, there was a lot. And here I am being told to say to this person, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I would like to say that I'm pretty swift at forgiveness
1: <laughs>
3: and understanding the concept. And I'm lying there in the Maloka in Costa Rica going, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I know, I, 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 I get what you're trying to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to sit with all of this data that has come to me over the last couple of years, and it wouldn't go away. Mm. I just kept saying, say to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And so I finally did. I relented to the wisdom of the process. And when I did, Lisa, he looked up at me and gave me thumbs up. And he said, you got it. And I was like, what did I get? And he goes, you got it. You understand now. I
2: knew I was going to have goosebumps. I had them in advance.
3: All of this, all of this, and all of these, even again, the biggest perpetrators of our grief are a part of our soul family. And there is an intentionality. There is a meticulousness too what each of us are here to experience and to learn and to absorb and to transcend. If we're available to look at it beyond this singular experience, he said, you got it. And in that moment, it was just, it was like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, the rush of insights and, Um, what I, what I heard, you know, how we always hear that the universal sound of OM is, you know, it's, it's beyond language and it contains all of the codes and the vibrations of healing. And I was told that many things have that. Even the phrase well done thy good and faithful servant contains the same maximization of all of that, that is found within the OM when it's used in the same way. And it said you must begin to say that to everything within you that you have disowned, mm. to to your physical to the parts of your physical body that you have you know attacked and and become uh, un, un um, unloving towards look at your joints and look at your muscles and look at your arms and legs and everything about you and say well done thy good and faithful servant say it to every passerby just like you would recite the whole upon upon a prayer to people say well done thy good and faithful servant make the list of those that that are we have placed outside of our heart and to say that and by doing so this immense reconciliation, just this rush of a reconciliation begins to occur, and you can see that joy is. You can really begin to, to feel the, the harvest of that principle rather than it just being an intellectual concept.
2: Oh, my goodness. Okay, there are a few things I want to sort of go back to, but I want to take this moment to I always give my listeners a practice to take into their week, and this just feels so beautiful and perhaps a little challenging. So you all can do this through your journaling practice. You can just do it in your meditation time. or just lying there in your zone, not doing anything else, thinking about anything else. Pull to mind someone, something, some part of you, your physical body or your past that you need to forgive or some person that you need to forgive and try using that phrase. Say it again for us perfectly, David.
3: Well done, thy good and faithful
2: servant. Yeah, I have goosebumps. I think that is for sure your home play. So however much you want to bring to that, do it every day, do it once do it in your journaling do it in your meditation that's a powerful phrase that we're going to work with this week oh i love that i um you mentioned the plant medicine which you know i'm very interested in still all these years later only interest only interest no no first-hand experience um (laughs) but i did have a first-hand experience similar to what you're talking about with david weiss when i did a, a past life regression and it was through the past life regression that i found out that the, the man they had always told me was my father was not my biological father. I, I learned all that through an experience. Like you're you're explaining mm-hmm. where I went back and, and saw a, a part of my past that it wasn't even um, past life in that case. It was just an earlier in this life regression. So I know how powerful that can be. So my understanding since you've brought it up so clearly we're, we're talking about it is that you, you've you done multiple experiences now with um, with the plant medicine.
3: I, I was really fortunate because um, Michael Beckwith is a was mm. a colleague and um, Michael had extended this invitation because he was serving on the board of this organization in yeah. Costa Rica. And when they were trying to uh, get people to come, the model was that they would have spiritual teachers during the day and then they would be doing these ceremonies at night. And we were to reach out to our constituency to try to get to people to come. Well, it has quantum leap they don't need that model anymore but the owner um he we really had a, a nice uh, rapport and he really liked me and he kept asking me to come back and so it's it's it was a great privilege it's it's uh, what i understand is that anything can be the paradox is that anything even this can be used as another avoidance, Mm. you know, like anything can be suddenly become another sort of addictive choice. And it was very nice to just do the intensity of this once a year.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. And, and that it ended up happening five years over a five year period, even with a COVID break going back and how, where I left it, it would pick up again. And it only did it... It only offered me what I was ready to receive. And then this last time, last fall, it just sort of... It was like full guns. And um, that's why I was telling you the the book and the, the non-duality that I was writing. It's as if it was requiring me to do my homework mm-hmm. more. It's also, too, it, it starts to show... And maybe you can see if this makes sense to you, that when these revelations happen, you can see a congruency through your life. So for your listeners, uh, Louise Tay was my first teacher. She was my second mom. I was in a singing trio that Mm -hmm. got to travel with her Mm -hmm. in the early days. And you may know that Louise's big thing was mirror work. And it was about saying into the mirror, I love you. I really love you and how radical that was at the time for a lot of people. And even during COVID, I was contacted by a a documentary filmmaker, and he ended up doing a documentary short on her and used me as the narrator, and it got shown on PBS and the New York Times um, and all of that. And so we were looking through all this archival footage of Louise, like on the Phil Donahue show, where he's walking around the audience, And they're sort of making a mockery of mirror work because that made great television. But it was profound for people. It was profound for these individuals who are going through the experience of AIDS Mm -hmm. at another pandemic where they were completely denied and disowned to be able to look at themselves and to say something like that and to be in a room where just primal wailing would occur was very sobering. And so I knew that what she was offering seemed simplistic on the surface to other people, but to people who were really deep in their pain, it was profound. And that whole statement of, well done, thy good and faithful servant, it was like, say it in the mirror. And I thought, look at the congruency. It's It's exactly what Louise was trying to get people to do. The
2: same thing
3: and now we forget sometimes the simplest thing is the most powerful thing
2: it is and so you saw that current running through all of your work throughout the years yeah I could
3: see just I could see how perfect the divine design was how everything has been orchestrated in order to get me to where I am today
2: it makes me think of uh, the title of one of your earlier works. I've always adored how you nail it with your titles. Your titles are so beautiful. And Where Regret Cannot Find Me is um, the title of one of David's books that yeah. sounds like it's it's in there with that um, that theme.
3: And I think the beautiful work that you do around joy, that that's, that's pivotal. You know, it's like joy is not postponed. It's not futurized. It is. And so... Um, it is available to us to the degree, to the degree that we do some choose of the that things adventure. That we, yeah, do do some of the things that we're talking about today.
2: Because um, it's who we are. It's it's just yeah. it's just being the observer of all the things that keep us from experiencing ourselves that mm-hmm. way which makes me think of another one of your book titles. The, uh, where the the grass is green or right here, right? (laughs) The grass is green right here. If we, if we choose that, that perception point, that focus of our, our attention and our energy.
3: And that does not mean that there isn't dark moments and, um, all kinds of things that happen, um, far from it actually. But as I, as I age and I get older and, I think about mortality and I get sometimes I get caught in the loop of legacy, which to me, I think is kind of that egoic thing. Will people remember me? It's, yes. it's nice. It's nice to be able to not push that away, but to sit with it. Yeah. To, to sit with it and, and let it keep drawing me back to this idea of just how infinite this journey is.
2: I feel that the uh, very, very blessed recipients of your attention to your Kaleidoscope Foundation will absolutely remember you, as will all of us who have ever been touched by your writing. David um, writes a very, very, very beautiful blog. I encourage all of you to read his blog. How else can people you know keep up with you and find you and see what's coming up next for you
3: I'm, I'm not the best at updating my website but i there is a lot on social media so if if they want to follow uh david alt a-u-l-t on social media that's there and then um, my foundation is called kaleidoscope child foundation right so um a lot of what has occurred during the pandemic is I've been doing more adjunct teaching at a place here in Atlanta called uh, Emerson, uh, the School of Public Health, the master's program. And I was blessed to be invited to teach like a systems critical thinking management class for for these uh, public health students from all around the world. And it allowed me to give them real world problems that exist within the territories where our schools are in cambodia india and guatemala and um whoever got selected per these different teams their their term was all about bringing a solution to that and what was extraordinary about that is i started working with a whole new generation of people and um And a lot of these young master's degree students uh, stayed on or wanted to stay involved. And so we have grown uh, over the pandemic and we have an operations manager who's a graduate from Emory now. And so we're working on WASH programs. Uh, WASH is an acronym for water and sanitation and hygiene for a lot of rural territories, particularly for women and young girls in these poor countries. And it's all about, uh, obviously, fresh water and sanitation, but latrines and things that don't exist in slums. And so in November, when I go back to India, some of these students are going with me. And uh, there's a lot of great work ahead. So I want to maximize my life you know, in, in this way and continue to raise awareness and funds to be able to do this for these people. And at the same time, fall back on the multidimensional idea that it's not me helping them, that in other dimensional perceptions <laughs> and ways to view it, they're helping me.
2: You are a conduit for some, some divine gifts for these these individuals yeah. and them, you. Yes, it goes both ways, I'm sure. Yeah. That's really To so always remain teachable. Do. Oh, absolutely. That's the key. You have some sort of a, a show that I've been seeing on Facebook. Recently, it was about doing and being and um natural nurturing are you are you doing um videos for people on facebook what is what is this
3: yeah so during the pandemic when we were all home i was doing a sunday broadcast live and then the world has opened up and i'm facilitating a lot of retreats and things uh, and so i'm not home necessarily so i pre-tape these and i just decided to give it a fancy name and it's <laughs> it's called the gathering The Gathering. So, okay. Yeah, so those those are are aired every Sunday at noon Eastern Time on Facebook,
2: and people could find you at just your name, Facebook David Alt, D A V I D A U L T. Yeah, we
3: I think we all have a professional page and a personal page, <laughs> so they sort of blend together. But yeah, they can find me there,
2: and they can watch the gathering every week and get some David Alt. Yeah, that's a really good offer, y'all. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, beautiful friend. I have loved this chance to catch up with you and share your fabulousness far and wide.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: You'll be back. We promise that up front. This isn't the, this is just part one, part one of many episodes.
3: (laughs) Nice. Thank you so much.
2: Love you. Love you listeners. I'll see y'all next week. I can't wait for you to experience the power of this home play that David came up with for us. Or we kind of, the universe gave us that home play. Enjoy it. I'll see y'all next week. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full-on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, find me at lisamickcourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. I'll see you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love.
1: Didn't know that my life would change forever Because you've given me Juicy joy, juicy joy Juicy joy, juicy joy Juicy joy, juicy joy Juicy joy, juicy joy joy.